0: Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle— and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201, or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day listeners, Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. The father-son relationship is vital to boys learning how to grow up into manhood. And part of maturing into manhood is understanding sex and sexuality. But how can fathers and sons talk about sex and sexuality? Our guests today are John and Lucas Fort, the father-son duo who wrote the book Father-Son Accountability, Integrity Through Relationship. They share their story of how they learn to talk about sex and other difficult topics, and offer tips and pitfalls they discovered along the way. So if you're a dad or a son, wants to gain insights and helpful tools for talking about sex, this podcast will give you confidence to engage such conversations. To get the Father-Son Accountability Book, visit bebroken.org slash store. For more resources, check out links in today's show notes. And would you please rate and review the podcast after listening, because this really does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now let's get to this great conversation with John and Lucas. Well, all right, John and Lucas Fort, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: glad to be here. Yeah, you know it's not every day that we get to get a father-son duo on the uh, on the podcast, so it's exciting. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Hey, before we dive into the revised edition of the Father-Son Accounty accountability book that you guys both wrote together. Um, just give us the lay of the land. Who are John and Lucas Fort? Kind of where are you in your lives right now? And why are we even having this conversation?
1: Um, <laughs> John and Lucas Fort. Well, we're both very large people, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm Lucas. I'm 24 years old, living out in Oregon, uh, just down the road from my dad, John, yeah. here. And uh, like you were saying, I say I got a, I got my third generation going. I got my new son Elias and living at, at home with my wife out here and working. And my dad and I have a pretty ex- extensive history going back about what ten years at this point. Uh, we wrote that book, Father Son Accountability together. We've spoken at a few events and showed up on a couple different podcasts here and there and um, helping fathers and sons learn how to you know communicate with each other and. The best way to build a relationship with each other and having it be a two-way street not just one way
2: yeah this all started when lucas was like 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. and at that time i was not working for be broken but working for another sexual integrity group um training group leaders support group leaders for men and women um about who were dealing with sexual addiction and i remember looking at lucas and thinking i became a sex addict when porn was just magazines and it's like this guy doesn't have a chance it, it without like a serious help and the funny thing was is i i didn't do for a living talk about porn and sex and all that kind of stuff So I, that's what i do for a living but thinking about talking to my son and i have a daughter too was terrifying it's like mm-hmm. wow this is really different and so um the book came about in my and my wife's stumbling attempts to try to help our kids with integrity. Um, the idea was I didn't want them to turn out like what what ha- what, what happened to my wife and I, both of our situations. So um, that was kind of the motivation behind this. Um, and then it kind of grew from there.
0: Yeah, so let's talk more about the reasoning behind why you actually wrote the book, Father, Son, Accountability. And I'm glad that you guys pointed out, you know, we are going to be talking eventually about the 2.0 version, because you've got a new revised edition that just came out this mm-hmm. year. But like you said, the, the original father-son accountability book, it came about eight, ten years ago, something like that, um, or somewhere around there. What What were all the factors that
2: led to you guys saying, let's actually write a book on this? So we live in the Pacific Northwest, and there is a conference up here in Seattle, in the Seattle area, called Higher Ground Men. And somewhere along the line, they started letting dads bring their sons 13 and up. And so it's still called Higher Ground Men, but there's teenage boys and men there. And it's like four to 600 people there at this event. It was a pretty nice event. And um, I had been going there and speaking about other issues, but they kept telling dads to talk to your sons. But they never said about what. And by this time, Mm -hmm. Lucas was 15 and we were doing all this. And I said, hey, can we come and just show people when you say talk to your son, let's show them what we're talking about. So that's what we did. But we realized we only had an hour and that we had there was so much more to say that I started writing a handout. Well, that handout turned into a book. And so that's how that's how it started out. So Lucas, tell us
0: about what that experience was like when you went up to higher ground, men, and you and your dad were doing those sessions together. Because I, I remember that, and I also remember uh, some of the responses that you got from that. I'd love to hear from your perspective what, what what that was like as a teenager to go through that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's funny looking back at it. You know, you would have thought that I'd be super nervous, not wanting to talk about it, but. By that point, my dad and I had already been, you know, so open with each other and talking about these sorts of things that, and at that, at that rate, I also was talking to people I knew because I'm a big people person. I talk to everybody. And, uh, especially as a teenager, there were some times where I might've gone a little overboard with what I talked about. That being said, I was already talking to other teenagers about this subject anyway. And so being there at the actual conference to me didn't really, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, I, I knew that the kids that were going there, the young boys there, were probably going to be pretty nervous thinking about what their dads were going to think about it. And I know that the reason the dads brought them there were because they either didn't know what to talk about, maybe they just didn't know where to start or that sort of thing. And uh, going there, I wanted to give my perspective as a a kid as well, um, basically letting them know that a lot of the thoughts they had about, oh, well, my dad's going to be angry at me, my dad's not going to understand me. And me being there is the perspective to kind of show the dads like, Hey, as a kid, as myself, I want to tell you what's going through your son's head and giving them that insider, uh, understanding and that mm-hmm. kind of, that kind of point of view. And then also to the kids, letting them know, like, Hey, like I, I promise your dad wants the best for you. They wouldn't be here with you if that wasn't the case. And so mm-hmm. kind of having that, uh, that perspective. So starting as, as a, as a teenager and going to those conferences, I I thought it was a great experience. I always, every time, I mean, I, the number of times that dads would be blown away, like, whoa, wait a second. There's like this teenager up here talking about these super hefty topics and having no problem with it. And it's just, you know, that was always really fascinating. But yeah, I mean, it was always a great experience. And-
0: yeah. If I remember correctly, especially that first one, right. it was the, uh, it was the dads that had far more nervous responses than the the teenage boys. It yep. seemed like the dads had more of like the deer in the headlights, you know, hair blown back, kind of a uh, response. Yeah, it's the, like you want son. me to
2: talk about what with my son. Um, yeah, the, uh,
0: yeah. So, the, so, so let's then actually go there because Lucas. Um, you know, let's let's go back to before you guys were doing the conferences and the books and all of that. And I'd love to hear from you of what did it feel like growing up talking to your with your dad about feelings, sex, pornography. And some of the other things that you discuss in the book, Uh, because Mm -hmm. you're right, those are uh, some big topics. And sometimes those are things that just do not get talked about between a father and a son. So what was that like for you as a 10, 11, 12 year old boy starting to have these conversations?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was awkward at first, you know, my first, my dad says, all right, we're going to go out and do some yard work. And I'm like, okay, great. And then we're sitting out there and then he starts talking about, all right, well, starts going into the conversation. It's like, oh man. So that became a pretty common thing at the beginning was anytime you said yard work, I'm like, I, right, here we go. But <laughs> uh, my, my initial reaction though at first it was uncomfortable. I didn't you know, want to talk about it. It felt kind of private and everything, but my dad pretty quickly and early on was coming from the perspective, not of, and he made it clear that it wasn't about trying to be like catching me, making a mistake or hmm. punishing me if I did anything that was wrong or, you know, not, not good. Um, he made it really clear early on that it was about me, you know, uh, getting it off my chest, but then also having that communication and feeling comfortable to talk about it. And if we didn't have those initial conversations about, you know, it's good to talk about it. I'm going to be, you know, accepting of you and everything you're going through. If we hadn't had that initially, then, um, it wouldn't have led to me feeling more comfortable to talk about it and realizing, um, you know, the, the realizing like, you know, the, the right way to go and everything. But, um, yeah, definitely early on, um, it was kind of awkward, but a lot of it was focused around the relationship aspect and understanding that it wasn't I wasn't wrong or in the bad. everything I was doing was normal and something that my dad expected because he went through similar things and so mm-hmm. him a lot of it too was him opening up and talking about his perspective and what happened with him and using that to show me I wasn't alone in the battle um, about all all of these things and then on top of that, he would also open up about. Things that were, you know, happening in his life at that time, too. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I used to have these issues, but I'm totally great now. Now let me teach you how to do it right. It was I have had these problems and I still have these, you know, these uh, uh, temptations and all mm-hmm. these issues coming up. And so it was kind of the it was almost teaching me kind of how, you know, this is how as men we should be communicating with each other and talking about it. And mm-hmm. that that idea was definitely set in at an early stage and which helped me to be where I am now. And as I grew up being more comfortable talking about it and I wouldn't have been at those conferences and writing the books if it weren't for Mm -hmm. my dad starting the conversation and including me on it and, you know, having us be on an equal level rather than some, you know, the parent being up here talking down to the kid.
0: Mm -hmm. So John, from your perspective, when you, I don't know if this was a great grand strategy that you had initially, (laughs) but it seems like it was pretty wise to have something like yard work as sort of a a buffer in terms of, because I think sometimes one of the things that terrifies dads is, are you telling me that I've got to sit down at a table face-to-face across from my son and then start saying words like sex, pornography, emotions? Was that even part of a strategy of saying, let's go out in the backyard and do some yard work? Or did that just sort of kind of morph? And why is it vital that maybe there is somewhat of a buffer there where it feels like, we can maybe have a, a an easier on-ramp to these conversations rather than feeling like man you got to have this stark moment in time
2: well to me i i it was purposeful in the sense of i wanted to make it like hey we're doing something and let's talk about this while we're doing something instead of although we eventually definitely had conversations where it's just we were just sitting there talking but never mm-hmm. looking at each other Um, It was like, you know, we have to, there really was yard work to be done. I wasn't making up, (laughs) but it was like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this situation where we're both out in the yard, not staring into each other's faces. I later learned from other experts in parenting that you are not supposed to sit face to face to your kids during these personal conversations. You should always be side by side or something like that, you know, in general, because it's just too weird. Um, So it's some somewhat like purposeful and somewhat accidental how that turned out. Um, well, now though, ways, I teach them, that I teach them don't sit your kid down and stare in their face and talk about all this stuff. You know,
0: and and even in many ways, it makes me think of the the Shema where we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then it says teach it to our children when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk, when you go to you know the market. So there is a sense in which All of this needs to be part of just when we are doing life, that we are interacting with these truths. With that being said, uh, you guys discuss the difference in the book between talking at each other and with each other. Can you explain more about what you mean in that?
2: Well, so what I began to realize as I put this together is that. The typical thing parents do is sit their kids down, lecture to them and wait for the kid to nod and say, good. That's talking at someone. In fact, a kid can talk at their parents the same way, but I'm going to say talking with each other is more about asking, how do you feel? What do you think about that? This is what I think about that. Again, it's the idea of raising, Lucas already said is raising your son up to adult level for these conversations. In other words, um maybe not all the time you think of your son as an adult but during these conversations you say you're coming up to my level and we're going to talk somewhat as equals um for this to happen uh, do you have any other thoughts about the talking with thing versus at
1: yeah i mean what he said was was pretty spot on i feel like you know it's coming from the the kid's perspective when we first had these initial conversations when i was around you know 10 11 and then even up until even up until now but especially then um I feel like a lot of it, like he said, was asking the questions, not so much just, you know, oh, does this make sense, yes or no, but also, you know, how do you feel about that? What does that make you feel? Okay, you said you had this issue. How would you feel when that happened? And that's where I think the the, uh, emotional aspect is the biggest player, is getting them to kind of talk about emotions. And then on top of that – Uh, not, you know, on top of asking questions, getting them to talk, but then the part of you as a parent being on the same level is also saying, yeah, so when I had this happen, I felt this way and kind of talking about your own emotions as well. And so kind of, you know, the showing them, not only showing them I'm receptive of your emotions and how you're feeling, but I also am going to uh, give that back in response and give my emotions Mm -hmm. and my feelings Mm too.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, the title of the book is Father Son Accountability, and and sometimes that term accountability can be like a lightning rod for people. It can be it, it kind of over, overly narrowly defined. It can be very become kind of rigid and rules based and all that. But you guys structured somewhat. I mean, there's there's certainly handlebars that you guys have put in the book in terms of like especially kind of coaching fathers and sons. How do you actually you know engage one another? What does some of that look like, practically speaking, from from the book in terms of, OK, what does this term accountability really mean in terms of what you're trying to highlight in the book? And and how do fathers and sons really do that kind of in a practical,
2: practical way? Yeah, well, the, the first version of the book we wrote, it was like 2015 or 16 or 17. I can't remember when it was, but or maybe earlier. I don't know. But the first version of the book at that time, the word accountability was not it's become a more negative term since mm-hmm. then that makes sense um i almost changed the title the father son allies but then i wanted to kind of carry the idea you know, this is just the same book second version so i kept that that title in there but we do talk about you're really more your son's ally than than that there is the point of accountability Now, now the father is the son's accountability partner ally. The son is not the father's accountant In other words, the son, I'm still sharing with him. Um now we are more, but but back then, but he knew that I had other men in my life who were my accountability. And so he didn't have to feel like I have to be my dad's dad. That's not right, okay right. to put that kind of thing on there. Mm-hmm. Um but there was, yeah, there was that tension with the account that word accountability. I just went ahead and used it because that's kind of what that's how we started. And um hopefully it doesn't turn too many people off, but
1: yeah, well, I feel like accountability, I feel like a lot of people kind of associate that with work or maybe from a kid's perspective with chores or doing homework and that kind of stuff of, well, I have to do this. Otherwise, you know, my parents are going to get upset at me. And I think I, I understand what you're, what you're talking about of accountability being having that negative connotation. Um, I feel like at least the way we address it in the book and when we talk about it um, in events and talking to, you know, a, a pair of father's son, um, is more, f- the accountability portion of that is more so, um, it, it's, that is not the focal point. The accountability is not, I feel like it's, uh, it's not about, uh, making sure, you know, you're not watching porn. You're not, you know, doing these, you know, explicit things. It's more so, um, being a, a, a accountability of, of, uh, like you sharing each other's emotions. And so accounta- accountable of like, um, um
2: so well, well well like for, for example let's say that, that somebody messes up and looks at porn and you talk about that yeah but so the result of that is not well now what how are we going to punish or how are we going to restrict but it's like well how did you feel what brought this on what yeah. can we do next time to address those feelings before it gets to the point that you feel like you have to go look at porn does that make sense so it's, it's more of mm-hmm. that kind of thing is yeah. that so the accountability is we're accountable to each other to keep talking about this. Yeah. But the relationship is more of, of supporting and being each other's ally.
1: Yeah. So not, not being accountable of you're doing something you shouldn't be, but accountable of actually sharing and Mm -hmm. being open about what's going on. Mm
0: -hmm. So what do you think is the most important thing that fathers and sons need to remember when they're, they're having these conversations?
2: Well, the first thing is to, to have them. It's like, keep talking and even if you have no idea what just just keep talking And, and i would say if nothing else talk about how you're feeling lucas has mentioned that that's actually more important than anything else because the biggest way a kid goes wrong with their sexuality is when they don't know what to do with their feelings it becomes a way to deal with feelings and so those of us like myself who were sex and porn addicts in the past that's why i had become that because i didn't know how to deal with that When I went into therapy, the first thing my therapist worked with me is on identifying what I was feeling and finding better ways to deal with that. So when you're looking at a kid, they're not an addict, they're a kid, and they're not an adult. And so let's teach them how to deal with feelings. Now, I don't expect that dads know how to do that so because no one taught me that. So that's the purpose of the book is to teach the dad and the son at the same time how to identify their feelings and talk about them and find ways to work through them. That's really the big picture it's not porn and all that kind of stuff it's mm-hmm. it's feelings
1: yeah and then going in line with that as well um it's from the father's perspective you know when you're when your son or when your child is sharing their feelings and their experiences and everything like that is it's that is uh not any time to be you know laying some sort of punishment or talking down it's more been like well i'm really glad you told me about that and you know, trying to get them to further explain how they're feeling and validating their feelings. Like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I've, you know, and then relating to that, I have had experiences where I felt that way because of such and such. And so coming from the parent perspective, that way your child continues to want to share and be open and come to you, even if it ends up being something outside of um, accountability or sexual topics is furthering that relationship to them. They feel comfortable coming to you about absolutely anything so that when they become an adult, they continue to do that. You have a more open, understanding relationship.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's huge for, for every parent to know is that they've got to establish, I mean, even from our, our Christian uh, worldview, there's never a moment in the entire history of humanity where God has punished anyone for confessing sin. There's no punishment in confession. So the idea, because that's, that's all that God ever wants is us to bring things into the light and um, so I think what you're saying there is really important for all parents to hear. Like, what are you doing to establish a safe place to where, hey, in whatever way that you mess up or screw up or or cross a line, come bring it into the light. There will be no punishment for confessing confessing that. There's certainly, as you guys talked about with the accountability, right? There's things to talk through in that. So that it's not, you don't become what I call a serial confessor. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) nothing is changing in my heart. And so my behaviors aren't changing, but I I like what you guys are saying there. Now this year um, is you guys released the second edition. So this is a 2.0 version of the father-son accountability book. So what is new? What's changed in this edition versus
2: the first edition? Well, when we wrote the first one, we, it, you know, it's really early on. So we were just through some, some stuff out there. And what dads were telling me was I read one chapter a week with my son and we, I said, I never thought about that. And then also it was, I said, the original origin was kind of a handout for a t- for a presentation. And so even though it had a lot of really good stuff in it, some of the organization and that kind of stuff, um, you know, was talking about things that you should do with your son, when he's five years old, but you don't pick this book up till he's 12. So like, what point is that? It doesn't help a lot. So we redid it into eight weeks. And so it's specific. There's only 10 minutes of reading each week. And we put in a bunch of discussion questions about that. Um, So, so it's designed to be read one chapter a week, more or less. Um, So that's really different. Um, The other big difference is Lucas wrote a lot more when he was 15. He didn't write as much. He wrote basically half this book this time. And mm-hmm. so so that's another a big difference in that. We also added things like curiosity, like, you know, about sex and thing, you know, some of the things that kind of left that got left out in the other book that are, might as well be talking about these things. You know, um,
1: mm-hmm. um, Lucas has a
2: good part in there, but a time when he was 17 years old and heard a word and knew it had to do something with sex, but didn't know what it was and asked me that question. And I was so glad he asked me and he was talking about how that, you know, at 17, you think you're supposed to know everything, but that's no.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's just say, John, you and I, I mean, at our ages, we still have to say, we don't know everything. Right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, and that, and that's, I think that's part of what I get out of, out of the the book is you're trying to, you're trying to help fathers and sons, Um, really kind of established such a strong framework for an ongoing relationship, like for an ongoing growth of being able to talk with each other. Because what I see about you guys even now to this day, I mean, Lucas, you're 24 years old now, and it's not as if somehow you go, well, we kind of put a pin in that part of our relationship, and we don't talk anymore. I mean, I know you and your dad talk all the time. Um, And Mm -hmm. I would say it's probably far richer today than it was even before, because you guys established that freedom to be able to talk about everything. Can you guys talk about um, what would you say to the dads or the sons out there or both who are really feeling the sense of kind of, of fear of just, you know, maybe from a dad's perspective of. I've never, I don't have any context or point of reference for having done this because I didn't have a father that did this to me. So there's a sense in which there's just a total panic about Mm -hmm. how do I take this next step? What would you guys like to say to the fathers and sons out there regarding fear? I'll I'll
2: talk about the fathers and Lucas talk about the sons. So, so from a, we've, we've surveyed dads and they tell us, I'm afraid. um, First, I don't know what to say. Uh, second, I'm afraid that um, my, this will strain our relationship between me and my son. And finally, the big one is I'm afraid he'll find out something about my past. I don't want him to know about my past because then he won't respect me anymore. Um, and so what I would say is, number one, this book is designed just to pick up and do it. You don't have to know anything. You just take zero preparation on anybody's part. You pick it up, get your son, and start reading. It's at, that's how we designed it, particularly this second edition um but the big thing is is i promise you that if you do this the way and, and and have the discussions that it does and you don't yell at each other um this will make you closer it will do the opposite it'll make you closer with your son than anything else i can imagine so it it doesn't do that and and you you can talk about the whole respecting your dad thing mm-hmm. when you find out the past and mm-hmm. stuff
1: yeah so for for the sons and coming into it being nervous and everything, um, I I mean, a, a, as a son, I feel like in talking to other you know kids when I was in high school and even now hearing from younger uh, younger boys and everything, um, I feel like it it makes you respect your dad even more. Um, having these conversations and going through uh, the book and what we talk about in there because it again is bringing you guys on the same level. And so it's the whole point of the book and whole point of what we of what we teach and share with the fathers and sons is to have it be a level-headed conversation and not be well you have the dad being the teacher and the lecturer talking down and showing them how to do it it's you're talking with each other as equals both trying to work through it together because it is something you want to work through together um in the same way that you know um, our grown men will get together at conferences and you know, as equals discuss it, it's the same thing with this, is it once you talk about it, everyone's on the same level. So, so far as the respect portion of it, I feel like this will grow your respect for your your fathers by having these conversations in the way that we lay everything out. And for being nervous about it, um, I mean, I know we talk about it in the book that it's the fathers first that share, and it's it's from them that, that uh, get the ball rolling. Um, but I would say that You know, if your dad is willing to go through this book and have these start these conversations in the first place, um, if they're willing to be doing that, then I'd say that um, you don't have to worry about opening up and sharing all these details and talking on a more Mm -hmm. emotional level because they're already prepared for it or they're getting themselves prepared for it. So if they're opening the front door, then this is the opportunity to go into it. And um, yeah.
0: What's one of the most uh, unexpected benefits that you guys have experienced having been on this journey together for more than 10 years?
2: Well, this is repeating, but I, I, like other dads, was worried that this would make Lucas feel weird around me and not respect me. But the opposite has happened, is that, having these discussions and talking about our feelings at this deep level and the mistakes that each one of us have made makes me feel way closer to him than I ever was with my dad or that I ever thought a dad could be with their son. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's like
2: this whole, it's a different plane of relationship.
1: Yeah. And for me, I guess it's, it's kind of a two-parter. And that is the first one being that um, coming away from all, from all this and over all these years, I don't know, that I've met other another father son pair that's you know my age that or even older that has as good of a relationship with their dad, and I feel like that's something that I am more than happy to boast about that I have such an amazing relationship with my dad, uh, because I it is 100% unique and I don't come across many people that are like that. Um, on top of that, the whole of us having great relationship, um, I'd say the other thing I didn't expect to be a benefit of all this is my comfort level now to talk about this subject and talk about these things with other people i mean one of the things i do is even is talk to people at work about this this kind of subject which you think is kind of weird but i mean you once you get comfortable and you're more okay opening up about your feelings and emotions it makes it uh opens up more opportunities than you think it would and so there's kind of the those two kind of benefits Mm -hmm. that i'd say and things i didn't expect to happen but
0: Well, and one of the things that I would hope that fathers and sons would experience when they really start digging into these conversations is that they may have gone in with one um, focus, which is, oh, my goodness, I want to make sure that my son doesn't get involved with pornography or any of the other kind of things. And they come out with a realization that it's always been actually about the health and the closeness of the relationship. And then ironically... The secondary benefit is that you don't want to go to all these other things that are dangerous for your life because you now have actually a healthy relationship. So uh, I think what I love about what you guys have done in the book is by making the relationship the primary thing, what they initially thought the primary thing, there's still a secondary benefit to it. Like If you really do establish the strength of relationship, then I think both father and son are far less inclined to be motivated, to go towards things that are about false intimacy or about, you know, just self-gratification and all that. As we wrap up here, any final words of encouragement that you would have for fathers and sons out there? And then how can people get the book?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that the, the biggest thing is, you know, don't, don't hesitate. Don't be worried about what, you know, you think might happen. I'd say, go ahead and jump right in and Start opening things up and start the conversations. Uh, maybe go pick up a shovel and do some yard work. I mean, if that's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, I think
0: yeah. yard work is going to become the euphemism now that we have for father-son <laughs> accountability.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> time yeah. for some yard work, son. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, I, I would just say, just, just do it, you know, mm-hmm. Be, because it, it, just get the book and do it. We, we really, really worked hard the second time to make it like there is zero preparation needed. You just pick it up, pick a day, sit down and read the first chapter. That's how that goes. Um, the, as far as, it doesn't matter how scared you feel. I promise you, I was terrified um, the first time we started talking. So that that's okay. Uh, don't let, you just have to do something. Um, as far as where you can get the book, bebroken.org has it in the bookstore. It's also on Amazon. Um, interestingly enough, if you look at it up on Amazon, look up, uh, don't use my name. Um, for some reason it comes up much easier with Lucas's name. So if you type in Lucas Ford on Amazon, it will come up. you type my name. I don't, it may, there must be a bunch of other authors with name John Ford. I don't know, but, um, yeah. yeah, but father, son accountability. Um, yeah, either place.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, and we'll make sure that's all, all that is in the show notes, but well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for continuing to be vulnerable with your story. Um, I think it is a model for other fathers and sons, and um I can vouch for you guys personally because you know it 's one thing to bring people onto a podcast and say oh yeah let's let 's really highlight this awesome father and son. I know you guys i've i've i 've been around both of you it 's legit you 're the real deal, so if anybody has trouble with thinking there 's no father and son to talk about that, I will vouch for you guys uh, till the cows come home that it 's true. Uh, but thanks again for being with us today.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, listeners, um, look at the show notes. We're going to put all the info information in there about how you can get uh, connected to father-son accountability. Um, also, check out our family care uh, resource page on our website. If you just go to bebroken.org slash family, you can get a lot of other resources that we have. We also even do father-son webinars where there's training for fathers and sons over Zoom. And so you can get information about that as well. Uh, We're glad that you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care.
2: Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.